everybody, and welcome back to the next installment of the Rocky Mountain Myrek Short Takes on Suicide Prevention podcast. I'm your host, Adam Hoffberg, and we are broadcasting today from the VA DOD Suicide Prevention Conference here in Nashville, Tennessee. And I'm really excited because we have Jimmy Tatum here from Canine Partners for Patriots, and he's going to talk to us a little bit today about all the amazing work that they're doing. So welcome, Jimmy. Thank you. Thank you, Adam, for having me on. I really do appreciate this opportunity. Great. Well, we are so happy to have you on here. Uh, maybe let's start with some background, a little bit about yourself and, and how you came into this work. Um, so I joined the Army back in 2003, served nine years got injured, got out, went through the typical lost my identity downward spiral thing, um, you know, kind of rebounded, was placed with a great organization, Canine Partners for Patriots. Uh, because of my PTSD, they really helped me out with getting a service dog. Um, and then basically through them, I was offered a job and that's where I work now. So it's been a really great turn of events and it's definitely something I'm passionate about. Great. And uh, yeah, if you don't mind, could you go into a little bit more about like what drove your passion and maybe share a little bit of your story, whatever you're comfortable with, just to kind of help us see how you, how much your dog helped you and, and where you went with that? Uh, sure. So um, it's kind of twofold. A lot of my, my symptoms or my PTSD mostly comes from my soldier who committed suicide. Um, it was very traumatic for me. Uh, long story short, uh, through Canine Partners for Patriots, my tendency was to withdraw and just become very removed from people, which as we all know is, is bad. Um, so Canine Partners for Patriots, their whole organization kind of goes through the mantra of, we're going to do this together. So one day a week, I had to go to training with them. It brought me into a small group of veterans who I felt safe and secure with. And basically, by putting one step in front of the next, I was able to... Uh, come out of this withdrawal state, kind of go back into the public society. You know, I had a dog, which was great, but it was really more just the, someone was depending upon me. You know, this dog needed food, shelter, all these things. And it was no longer just me. It was a much bigger picture, which I think for service members, we kind of need that. We need to know that we're being depended upon for something. Cause when you get out, it feels like there's no one around. There's no one, you know, who needs me. And if I don't go out and talk to someone, no one's going to come up and talk to me. Um, and those feelings of isolation can just further put you down the hole where you think suicide might be the only way out, which it's not. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I hear that theme coming up. And I'm glad that you're really like, helping break that down for us, this kind of difficulty with transitions and finding new meaning and new purpose after the military. Could you say a little bit more about that? Sure. I think Coming out of high school and joining the military right away is great for anybody. However, college years are typically when most people find their identity. So for an 18-year-old to go into the military, your identity becomes the uniform. So every day you wake up, you do PT, you're with your guys, you're doing your, your job, your duty, um, you deploy, you come back, and then either the Army says, hey, you're hurt, we can't use you anymore, or you just choose to get out. Now all these characteristics that you've learned and you've developed over the last couple of years, you no longer have. So trying to figure out how to talk to people who don't have the same experience as you do, who don't understand what it's like to put your life on the line for a complete stranger or to depend upon someone to your left or to your right to have your back no matter what, uh, is challenging and it's daunting. And it's um, definitely something I'm still learning because there are times where I talk to someone and I'm like, you really 
don't have a clue <laughs> right now what it's like to be me or what it's like to to live outside of your world outside of small hokey pokey midwestern America you know and the military really does give us a broad view of things that most people don't have so those challenges I feel make it a veteran who is already feeling or struggling with PTSD um, or all these other stigmas that now are getting thrown upon the veteran community like oh you have PTSD we can't talk to you or you're going to get triggered and come in here and shoot like it it really drives the veteran I feel into this hole to where Mm -hmm. he feels like there's no one he can talk to and no one he can depend on or he just doesn't have an out so Canine Partners for Patriots really has changed that for me because the 10 guys I went through class with, we still chat, we talk, you know, and it's any branch, you know, sure we, we talk crap to each other all the time, but you know, there's still that camaraderie where I know I can call Migs anytime or I can call, you know, Marvin and say, Hey man, I'm going through this. And he's, he's got my back. So that truly knowing that family is there, that bond is there, um, helps, you know, Great. Yeah, that's that's awesome to hear. So let's uh, take a step back a little bit and talk about a little bit more what is K9 Partners for Patriots and, and what is your, your all's model and sort of, you know, initially I'm thinking, oh, it helps get you connected to a service dog. But now I'm hearing, oh, there's this camaraderie piece among the, the veterans seeking the support as well. For sure. So uh, K9 Partners for Patriots is very unique. Um, Mary Peters, who's the founder, uh, she is amazing. She brings you in, gives you a giant hug, and she's like, you know, your family. From this point on, your family. So one of the cool things is we take any veteran from any service era, era so it could be Vietnam, Korea, World War II, um, as long as you are PTSD, military sexual trauma, or TBI, uh, basically, we can bring you in, we'll pair you with a dog, or if you have your own dog, let's say you know, you grew up the puppy and now you want to see if you can get him trained as a service dog, uh, we can do that for you as well as long as they pass the temperament test and do all that stuff because we can't have, obviously, a vicious service dog. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's the commitment of 19 weeks that we require, um, which is more of a guideline because obviously some dogs might take a little longer to train if there's specific tasks that we need to do for a veteran, such as mobility or something like that. Those might take a little longer. Um, but ideally, it's 19 weeks. And every week, the veteran has to come back to this class. You know, And if the veteran misses a class, we're reaching out to them, seeing what's going on. You know, and, and most organizations will train the dog and then bring the veteran in at the very end and say, well, this is how you handle said dog. We train the veteran and the dog together. Mm. Um, it really does not only in- give the veteran more of a, a confidence when handling the dog out in public because they're able to uh, answer questions that might come up. Because every week Mary's going to throw questions at you and be like, okay, is that a service dog? Where are you allowed to bring him? What are you allowed to do with him? What questions can they ask? What questions can't they ask? Um, Because a lot of our job, especially when you have a service dog by your side, is to educate the public because they don't know. They see people go out on Amazon and get these little service dog vests for their chihuahua that's now sitting on the table at this restaurant eating off the plate. And it's not how it's supposed to be. And it gives all the other service dogs a bad rep. Um, Mm -hmm. So by doing this more of an – I guess the easiest way to explain it would be it's more outpatient than inpatient. So – we don't fly veterans in. Um, you kind of have to arrange for your own transportation to get there. Once you're there, the dog, the, uh, all the training is provided free of charge. So we're able to uh, 
really keep our wait list very short. We only have probably a month or two wait lists. There's a commitment that you have to do beforehand, but um, once that's done, you're, you're in the system, and then you know, you'll meet your classmates, and eventually you just form a pack, and that's where I'm at. Like, it's just a really great, it's a family. Mm-hmm. And at the end of this 19, 20 weeks, you're able to take home a dog, or is this a shared oh, dog among the family? Oh, no, sir. You're taking the dog home from week one. Like, oh, you know, so, so you're, you're bringing the dog with you yeah, each week. Yeah. I see. So I you'll see. have a vest at the end of the 19 weeks where you'll be able to bring him into public and do that stuff. So the way it works is for the first eight weeks, it's basic obedience, the sits, the stays, you know, all that good stuff. And then after that, they go more into the in-depth, you know, service dog training. Um, at that point, you'll get a vest with service dog and training on it. And you'll be bringing them with you to like Lowe's and Home Depot and, you know, learning how to tell them to, you know, post or to stand behind you and keep an eye out. All that stuff, those commands will be at the more advanced phase. Mm-hmm. But the whole time the veteran is with the dog, he's bringing him home, taking him back. And it's really allowing not only the veteran to learn the dog, but the trainers to see how the veteran and dog interact because some of the veterans might be in a wheelchair, might use a walker. So there's certain modifications we have to do to enable that veteran and that service dog to succeed to the best of their ability. And because these veterans are around these trainers for 19 weeks, it really gives them a very customized training experience, which is so unique and different from many of the other organizations out there. Absolutely. And so after this training, you know, when the dog is certified service dog, what are some of the benefits or uh, impact that it can have on a veteran's life? Um, Well, for me, you know, a lot of what they tell you when you get a service dog is you become the center of attention. You walk into a room and everyone's like a puppy, you know, so they, they tell us when we first get it, like, just be prepared because most veterans want to just kind of hide in the back. They don't want to really be seen or talked to or approached, you know, so the service dog now is almost forcing this veteran to face his fear of interaction or, you know, because people are going to come up to you. They're going to say, I want to pet your dog. You know, can I pet your dog? Or they might just pet your dog. And so um, we had to tell the veteran, this is how you would approach that situation. This is what you're doing, you know, because you're teaching basically veterans who learned in deployment, you know, trust no one really, you know, you're teaching them that this is okay. This is how we're going to moderate these experiences. This is how we're going to put this buffer here. And the dog is designed to do that. Um, And it's a great icebreaker. So in my case, you know, I was very withdrawn. So when I would walk into a room with Remy, he would be like, all eyes would turn on him. He's a labradoodle. He's really energetic looking and very friendly, you know, so I had little kids coming up and I'm trying to educate them or talk to their parents about, please don't pet the dog. He's working. Um, and it really has given me such a boost of self-confidence, whereas before it was kind of like, I don't want to trust these people, I don't want to talk to these people, um, whereas now I kind of almost, not only do I expect it, but it's not a startle to me as it was before. Excellent. So. Yeah, you also touched on a little bit earlier this, this sense of purpose and this, like, this being is now dependent on you and you, oh, yeah. it finds new meaning. Could you talk about that a little bit more? Sure. So, you know, obviously was in the military, was married. Um, when I got medically discharged, got divorced, you know, uh, so it was just me. So, you know, there was no one who was around, no one who, like, if I didn't leave the house, I didn't leave the house, you know. Um, and that could be very depressing and very isolating, and that's not what you need. But, you know, when you have a dog, you have to take the dog out. You have to go get dog food. You have to, I mean, there's just basic maintenance stuff that require you to go and have some interaction 
outside either getting fresh air or going to a store to get food. Um, so it really does force a veteran to kind of grab life and say, okay, well, if not for me, I'm not going to let this person who's depending on me starve or be maltreated or anything like that. So um, that's how it really kind of pushes you out into the community a little bit. Mm, that's so nice. That's really nice. And, you know, I have a pet dog at home, so I, yeah. you know, not quite the same, but totally can get on that level where the dog helps kind of give you that extra motivation to, to, to stay active. And of course, physical exercise also sure. has its own benefits too. For sure. You know, and there's never a dog, like you can talk excited to a dog and they're just ready to party. They don't care, you know, like, but I found, especially with Remy, like he's helped me with my nightmares, with my sleep. Like there's just so many things that he's, I benefited from, you know, dogs are miracles. I mean, like seriously, I could, they're, the way they do it, how they do it, I don't know, but he picks up on my mood changes. He is so quick to come back to me and to, to check on me and to make sure I'm okay. And it's just nice to kind of get out of my mind and pet a dog because you're not thinking about, you know, the flashback. You're not thinking about the nightmare anymore. It's just, oh, here's Remy and he's just wanting love and he's cute and he's adorable and he's, you know. Absolutely. Um, well, so we'll, we'll have to get a, a nice picture of Remy up for the oh, for, for sure. the podcast notes as well because sure. we, we got to know what you're talking about yeah. or see who you're talking about. For sure. That's great. Um, so, um, first of all, thanks for sharing your story. Is there any other stories maybe um, from other vets through the training program that I think kind of exemplifies what you all are doing and how successful it is? Actually, if you go to our website, www.caninepartnersforpatriots.com, you can actually see a lot of other veteran stories that are very similar to mine. Most of them all are stating how they were at a dark place um, and how a dog, a service dog more specifically, has really changed their lives. Even our COO, Ron Flaville, he was the first veteran that Mary uh, agreed to train a service dog with or for. And really, he went from not wanting to leave his house, would barely enter the building, to now he's traveling the United States with Mary, um, and really uh, one of the key players in Canine Partners for Patriots. So it's unique to see that Canine Partners for Patriots doesn't just say, oh, we're here for the veteran. Like, we will give the shirt off our backs, basically, for our veterans. Um, They know this. We do quarterly veteran events. one of the other things we have on staff is a clinical social worker. He's licensed. His name's Denny. He's amazing. Um, and he's there every day we have class. He'll talk to you. You can call and talk to him, set up appointments. He does groups, you know, so like even after you graduate, you know, they say, don't be a stranger. You know, granted, they have to keep coming back every year to be recertified with their dog. But, you know, you could come back every week for your group or you could just meet with Denny one on one. It's really um something that's not just a a fire and forget type mission it's something you have to or we encourage you to keep coming back to because it does build that family and it does keep the veteran from isolating themselves again Mm -hmm. where do you see the future for like canines uh service dogs like is this something that's now do you see imagine this uh, wider rollout where like every veteran have access to this or i really i mean service dogs i know how remy has changed my life Um, So for me, I went from taking medications from the VA that were, you know, to combat symptoms, and then I had to take other medications to combat the side effects of those medications, and it's just this prescription cocktail um, to where now I 
I've cut back on 90% of the medications that I take. I no longer feel like I'm just a, a numbed out or not experiencing the world that I'm living through. So I would want every veteran to have the opportunity at least to at least be told what the benefits are. They can make the determination themselves. Um, I know that, uh, there are a lot of misconceptions about what service dogs are, where they're allowed, that type of stuff. So we, we combat that with, you know, podcasts such as yours where we kind of get our mission out there. Um, so, yeah, my goal would be, you know, at least the public being educated, the veteran especially, just to know this is a treatment option. I mean, we're already looking at equine therapy, art therapy, all these other different therapies that are more holistic in their approach as opposed to, well, here's a pill and here's a pill for that pill. Um, and I definitely, I'm all for that. Mm-hmm. And if there's a veteran uh, listening to this today and, and going, hey, that sounds a little bit like me, yeah. uh, what advice would you give them to get on this path to, to maybe getting a service dog? So I was actually, um, the way I found Canine Partners for Patriots was I was Googling organizations one night. It was two in the morning. Um, I was in a very dark spot and I knew that I needed something. So I was like, well, let me just see what's out here. Um, I found our website, which again is caninepartnersforpatriots.com, and they spelled out what was needed from me to get a dog, what the wait time was, which for Canine Partners for Patriots, it's one to two months, whereas with most service dog organizations, you're looking at two to three years. Um, And I can remember that sense of hope that got planted in me that night. I was so excited. I was like, oh, this is almost too good to be true. Like, you know, something's going to happen and it won't work out for me. Um, you know, so I submitted my application online. I got a call from Will a couple days later. We set up the appointment and everything just worked. And it was like, that was easy. Like, so my recommendation is go online to our website. We have literally any question you could probably think to ask already answered on there. Our contact information is there. You know, reach out to us. If we can't help you, we are based out of Florida, obviously. We always try to put veterans in touch with other organizations um, that might be close to them or near to them. Um, so, yeah, just don't give up. Like, keep looking. You know, again, if we can assist in any way, we definitely will. Really strong words. Thank you for that. And, of course, we'll post the link to your website with the podcast notes so uh, folks don't need to uh, scramble to write that down. But can you tell it to them one more time just in case? Sure. It's uh, caninepartnersforpatriots.com. Great. And you can't forget the picture of Remy. That's right. Yes. We, Remy's going to be front and center because, you know, the, and, and actually that's a great transition. So what, what does sort of the dog get out of this? Do, um, the, does the dog get something out of it? I think so. So K9 Partners for Patriots, I didn't have a dog when I came to them. So they were like, well, what size dog do you want? You know, they kind of ask some things. They, they don't guarantee a breed, but they will try to get, like, if you need a big dog for mobility or a small dog because you might get pulled over, they try to accommodate those. Um, so, of course, I was like, I want a big dog. And so... You know, Jeannie, who's like the canine placement lady, she was like, I think I have a dog for you. And in comes this Labradoodle. And, you know, it's weird. Like he, they sit you down with a group of other veterans and he just stuck to me. Wow. And when I say the dog chose me, he did. It was like I was crying. I'm sure he was crying, you know, and it was like (laughs) this big mushy thing. But I felt like this dog wants me and it was such a great feeling. And, you know, obviously as time has gone by, that relationship has just gotten stronger, you know, but we do try to rescue from humane societies. Um, that's where the majority of our dogs come from pounds or people, owner surrenders. They hear about us. Uh, there are a few breeders in our area who donate puppies on occasion. Um, but those are like, if a veteran has allergies or needs a hypoallergenic dog, we try to 
to use those breeders at that point. Um, but for the most part, yeah, we go, you know, we hear from other veterinarians out there who say, hey, this lady's trying to give up her dog. And, you know, that's how we service our area and try to really help impact the, the fact that, you know, our pounds and our humane societies are overflowing with all these great dogs. Absolutely. That's such a win. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned so. that. Um, well, Jimmy, as we start to kind of wind down, I just want to give you an opportunity to leave us with any parting thoughts or words of wisdom to, to, to pass it forward. Uh, I mean, I'm not really one of the wisest people, but definitely if, if you're out there and you are feeling down or you're feeling alone and isolated, you know, please reach out to somebody. You're not alone. Um, and whether it's the veteran crisis line or heck, even go on Canine Partners for Patriots, you know, we will assist you. We will talk to you. We will listen. Um, again, we're, we're here for the veteran. Excellent. Well, folks, that's going to be a wrap for today's episode. Thanks for joining us. And thank you, Jimmy, for taking time out of your busy uh, schedule here at the conference. Yes, sir. And uh, look for this and look for a nice picture of Remy. Yeah. And uh, we'll, we'll catch up with you all soon. Thanks. Thanks for joining us today on the Short Takes on Suicide Prevention podcast. The podcast is made possible by the generous support of the Rocky Mountain MIREC for veteran suicide prevention out of the Rocky Mountain Regional VA Medical Center in Colorado. Be sure to visit our website at www.myrec.va.gov slash visa19. While you're at it, if you found value in this episode, head over to your favorite podcasting app to subscribe and give us a rating. And spread the word. Tell a friend about the show. Be sure to tune in every other Tuesday for new episodes. Our mission is to prevent suicide and to help veterans build meaningful lives. And when you listen to our show, you see the possibilities.